Real people, real opinions, real talk radio. The multi-award-winning Niall Boylan Show. Classic Hits. Pubs will offer table service only under proposals by the licensed trade uh, to open their premises before the proposed date of August the 10th. Both the Vintners Federation of Ireland, the VFI, which represents publicans outside Dublin, and the Licensed Vintners Association have put forward measures which they believe should allow them to open along with restaurants and cafes at the end of June rather than the final phase at the end of August. They believe they got a bit of a raw deal from the Minister. So to talk to us a little bit more about that is Padraig Cribben, who's Chief Executive of the Vintners Federation of Ireland. Good afternoon to you, Padraig. Afternoon, Niall. Uh, Padraig, I, I'm assuming you guys thought, well, you know, we've got jobs and uh, livelihoods to protect and businesses to protect and we thought you got a bit of a raw deal when you saw the restaurants were getting in there in an earlier phase than you guys. So you put together this kind of your own little roadmap of proposals and social distancing. But is it workable, Patrick? Well, I think the first thing to say in all of this is that the public health is paramount and, and that can't, uh, cannot be compromised. Uh, the reality is that there will be um, uh, restrictions, there will be social distancing, uh, and that will be required for whatever period of time. Uh, what we have put forward is primarily based on World, World Health Organization guidelines. Uh, and we do realize that um, a number of things, uh, it will be operationally difficult for, for, for many people. It will be commercially very challenging because at the end of the day, capacity is going to be significantly reduced by probably up to 50 percent and maybe more. Uh, and it will be it will be so that there will be. There will be some pubs, uh, maybe many pubs, who won't be able to operate. Uh, but there are some who do. Uh, and I suppose what we are saying is, look, uh, there has to be an equality of opportunity for those who, who want to. Uh, and whether we open on the 29th of June or whether we open on the 10th of August is irrelevant. These same type of restrictions will be in well, place. Will have to be applied. But okay, let, let me just ask you. I'm per- personally speaking, by the way, I absolutely support uh, what you're suggesting. I, I think under the current uh, circumstances, I think you know there are other premises and other types of business that open which will be equally at risk because there's always going to be a risk factor. We all know that, even though public health is paramount. But I suppose what your uh, the people who condemn your ideas are going to say, well, hold on for a second. You're different to any other business where you know alcohol is a lubricant and a social lubricant. And it's all well and good saying, well, you know, numbers on the premises will be confined to no more than, say, four people for every 10 square metres, which is what you're proposing. But once people get a few drinks on them, they're going to be wandering around the bar. Oh, there's Mickey. I haven't seen you in ages. Mickey, how are you doing? Give us a hug. And that kind of stuff is going to start happening once people yeah, get a few drinks. Yeah, that's fine, but the reality is that alcohol will be a lubricant uh, in, in a restaurant as well. And, and alcohol will be the same lubricant on the 10th of August as it will be on the 29th of June. So the reality is that certain restrictions are going to have to be put in place. It doesn't make any difference whenever. And I suspect that, uh, you know, that this is probably the least worst option, uh, mm-hmm. believe it or not, because th- there may be uh, uh, views in, in various departments that these don't go far enough. I mean, look, so, it, it is going to be convenient, hopefully, that you'll have a bit of good weather during the summer period if you open in June, that you can use the smoking areas as well, of course, to utilise. And I'm assuming that 10-metre space includes your smoking area, so if your premises has a large smoking oh, area... Yeah. Yeah, yeah, so, was, yeah, absolutely, yeah. And just obviously that uh, you, you, you will have to consider whether the smoking in that area or not, depending on what's out there. But, you know, but that's going I to have think, to be a consideration that may, yeah, possibly but, but smoking might have to be banned then, would it? Well, you know, publicans are inventive, 
uh, they, you know, we've come through a decade of significant and severe challenges. Uh, unfortunately, just coming out the other end when, when, when this hits. Uh, and, um, you know, there, there are challenges. There are major challenges. Well, what about the what about the smaller bars? You know, around the country, Patrick, and and this is okay for the larger bars who will. It's still not going to be great for them because obviously they have to get a certain amount of people in to make a certain amount of money and to keep the place alive. But what about the smaller bars who? Well, you see, you know, they might only be able to fit ten or twelve people into it. Everything is relative. Everything is relative. I mean, the large bars uh, will will most likely have very significant high overheads whether it be in rental, whether it be in borrowings, or whether it be in rates, etc. So it is relative. Uh, and, you know, it's going to be a massive challenge for each and, and every individual operator. Uh, and one that, you know, some and maybe many will not be able to meet. But the reality is that the alternative that might come from uh, HSE or whatever probably be more stringent. See, everyone's going to, I suppose, talk to you, Patrick, about that famous video that went around for, well, it seems like months ago, but it was only about five or six weeks ago now, where the Temple Bar video, the very famous one, which, which I suppose was the the, the video really, the, the straw that broke the camel's back. Ah, when but it came. Like we're in a very Oh, no, 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 I'm, I, I'm not, I, look, I, I absolutely, I agree with you, but I suppose the point they're making is, is that people, when they get together with alcohol, and Patrick, please don't think that I'm condemning you, I would like to see it open sooner rather than later, because I think the, work, the country has to get back operational soon, and I understand yeah public health is paramount but we have to get it back in operation but you know the people who will condemn your notions are going to say well look look at that video I mean at the time we were very conscious of the fact that there was a very dangerous virus out there and pubs were told at the time to keep limited numbers and social distance and it still didn't happen because sometimes it's not easy for the bar owner he might only have two staff and they're busy pulling pints and meanwhile you know Joey and his mates in the corner you know having a bit of a laugh and, a, and by the way there's nothing wrong with people having a bit of yeah, a laugh absolutely. And, and, and by the way you also have in your thing as well that people won't be allowed to dance there'll be no live DJs I don't know what the difference in live DJ and background music is but however load, I'm assuming you'll have some background music because you know there, some, there, may, there, may, there may be that'll be yeah. up to the individual but, himself but dancing but, what, what constitutes dancing Dancing, I mean, who is there going to be like the dance police? Hey, you, you're moving your legs in time with the music. Stop, stop, stop. I think the one thing to bear in mind is that we're we're just putting these out as proposals, uh, you know, to, to get the business off the ground. That's yeah. the first thing. The second thing is that they are temporary uh, on the basis that as the as the pandemic recedes, as we become um, as as the numbers go down, that these would these would be looked at. And progressively, where do we need to get to? Progressively, we, well, we need, we to, need, we need to, to get back to where we were. Yes. To where we were. Yeah. And that has to be done on a controlled basis. It has to be done on agreement with the authorities. But this is, this is merely a starting point. Uh, and, and hopefully, uh, you know, and we accept and we understand there's an inherent contradiction between social distancing and what a pub is traditionally renowned for. We accept that. Uh, but, you know, we are in a desperate situation, not just the pub trade. This is true right across society, right across the country, right across the world. And desperate situations sometimes need desperate remedies. And as I say, this is a temporary remedy, and hopefully we can scale back up to where we were in as careful and as controlled a manner as possible, but also 
in as quick a manner as it's And I, I'm not going to disagree with you. I think it's time we start treating people like adults and not like infants, right? Uh, and, you know, we have to trust people to try and do their best to socially distance. And there's been some funny videos going around at the weekend of people throwing pints onto tables. But anyway, I saw that. I, it was actually quite humorous. Uh, but the other thing, I suppose, is, you know, on a wider note, Patrick, how are your members surviving at the moment? And what percentage do you believe of the bar trade are, are going to reopen eventually? Or are some of them already gone to the wall, do you think? Uh, they're surviving with difficulty, I suppose. On the one hand, right now, a lot of the outgoings have stopped. So whether it's commercial rates, Tax uh, whether, bills. It's a, whether it's a moratorium with the banks, uh, all of those things are stopped for a period, right? Uh, and actually, in many respects, now is the easiest part. The more difficult part is when we open again. Uh, and that is that is a reality. Uh, because, the, you know, credit... You start paying the bills again. Paid. Yeah. Yeah, and, and, and it will only happen with an adequate level of support from government around things like rates, around things like VAT and, and uh, excise. And, you know, we are behind the curve in support, particularly for small industries, small businesses, compared to the rest of Europe. And we will have to come up to that mark. Okay, somebody just, somebody just takes the, 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 yeah, okay. the alternative is that we, we put a half a million people and leave them on the on on the dole queues, and that's not a feasible. No, that's not either. an option. Okay, in relation, somebody wants to know. By the way, in text and said, "What about the toilets, for example?" I'm assuming you know there would be priority for hand sanitizers. Would you be Absolutely. limiting numbers of people going will, to the toilet course, at the same yeah, time? Yeah, and I've just just actually been looking at a system now that aids that aids that aids in a that in in the last twenty minutes. So yeah, you you have to have all those controls in place. All right, well, listen, thank you very much indeed, Patrick Cribben. And you might be interested to listen to the next five minutes of the show. I'm going to be speaking to somebody who's a, a bar owner in Stockholm and how they're dealing with it at the moment because obviously they, they don't have the same restrictions. Thank you very much indeed, Patrick Cribben, who's the executive or chief executive of the Vintners Federation of Ireland. And on the line as well is uh, Joseph Ascander, who owns an Irish bar in Stockholm called The Liffey. Why wouldn't it be called The Liffey? Hello, hey, <laughs> how are you? Good, Joseph, how are you doing? Well, we're doing okay. We're, uh, yeah. Okay, it's so weird, but we're okay. Okay, so Sweden, okay, took a completely different approach uh, to lockdown, so to speak, whereby they didn't lock down everywhere. They they didn't close schools and colleges. They took some steps on social distancing and masks and all that kind of stuff and large groups, but they didn't lock down. So how are you managing? I mean, I suppose it's a good tip for the Irish bars now going forward. How are you managing? On what? Yeah. What have you put in place? Yeah. First of all. We don't have to, you know, we didn't do an official lockdown, but this is also a little bit of a misunderstanding because we're behaving kind of as we were in a semi-lockdown. Mm-hmm. It's kind of a, people are behaving like they're in a lockdown, a lot of people, the majority. So it's voluntary, no so to speak, yes. Yeah, because we can see that in all hotels, traveling, restaurant businesses, uh, all these kind of businesses where uh, it's being cut down to 80-85% in, in like big city areas, which is also evidence for people are absolutely not living a normal life. Okay, so when, when in your pub, for example, do you have to limit the number of people who come into your pub now? Yes, it's a bit of a... When it comes to our business, it's a little bit, uh, I would say, we have not only the financial problem where we have to deal with, you know, apparently the lack of money and customers coming in, but we also have a new problem since a month back where we actually are responsible 
in the pub for not spreading the disease. And uh, the government has given us guidelines of how we should, you know, organize our bar, setting up tables and so on and so forth. But it's also, beside that, which is the easy part, basically, that's not a big problem. The big problem is if people, uh, even if we do this, then people decide to sit too close or gather in a corner, then the, the bar get get to shut down and also, uh, yeah. you know, there's a major problem for the bar. So, that, but so then it's, then it's up to you. A, it's up to you to try and con- control if a group of people... Uh, you know, get together. Now, I know the um, the vintners over here have suggested that no more than six people would be at one table, and obviously that being a large table. Yeah, but that would be, I think, you know, what would be better would be if the government came with regulation that was more specific and not throwing over the responsibility of this hard, you know, this is really hard and uh, it can get, it can have enormous effects if we do this wrong we're not capable of doing this kind of you know sorry you're too close you have to sit there you're transmitting now you're not it's a little bit hard for the bar owner to make this kind of a you know so yeah a lot of bar owners actually would be more happy in sweden if the government would have a lockdown but um, because it's a situation where they're telling the people not to go out, not to visit bar, basically, but we still have to be open. So it's morally also for us to be open, to market ourselves. It's morally problematic. Are you getting any financial supports uh, in Sweden, um, you know, from the government? Uh, for example, your, yes. bu- your, business, your business, I'm assuming, uh, is down. Uh, how much are you down by business-wise, percentage-wise? 85. I have two, two other bars, and they're all basically in the same area, and... We dropped 85%. Uh, okay, so average. and are the government supporting you with, you know, payments for your salary, for your staff, or as they yeah. would be here, 70%? Uh, what, what are the, what are they, how are they supporting you? Yeah, well, there's one, there's different kinds of aids. One is for the staff where I, if I don't fire them, I still keep my business open. I have a layoff kind of a... Uh, thing where I, they can work like 20% and still get most of their salary and the government okay. takes most of the, the, the money for that and also they're helping out with the rent, half of it and uh, now just recently they come out with they're helping with other costs that's not uh, stock or staff. Okay, so taxes but and rates and stuff uh, yeah. like that, yeah. yeah. Yeah, like if you have a leasing or if you have a loan or you know yeah. that kind of Okay, all right, okay. And uh, so you would you think that it's better that a, that a government would set down the guidelines instead of you having to self-regulate, so to speak? Exactly. For us, as a business, it's a really tough spot to still be responsible over the staff. We have, like, uh, you know, uh, the laws when it comes to uh, hiring, firing, and all that stuff is still around. There's no changing that. I have to be responsible over my staff even during this weird situation when I'm, when the government is actually telling people to stay home. And we're also responsible over not spreading the disease and telling people not to crowd and sit down and separate. This is all very hard for us to do, and the consequences are massive because it's about life and death. So I think it would be more responsible from the government to take responsibility over this instead of putting it on us. 
I mean, it's easy enough people will say, if you have IKEA, for example, you can social distance, you can have lines on the ground, uh, people in the middle mm-hmm. of the day are usually quite compliant, uh, they'll keep away from each other, people are quite conscious of how close they are to other people. And, and that's generally yeah. working okay. And when we see some of the, you know, for example, in the UK, you've got B&Q are open now, and some shops are open, supermarkets are open here, for example, where people can keep their distance from each other. You've got lines on the ground and queuing outside in limited numbers. But when you get into a bar situation... As soon as a bit of alcohol is on board, those kind of inhibitions yeah. start to slowly disappear yeah, and, and yeah, people yeah, forget yeah. themselves. So it is a difficult yeah, but, business, oh, isn't it? It is difficult, but this is, it's not really hard. You know, I mean, if you own your bar, if you do this properly, you'll say, okay, normally I can host 150 guests, but maybe during this time I can only host 30 guests. So you make that decision based on not getting crowded. But if you have 30 guests or 20 guests and you do whatever you can to make sure that this is working, still people are going to crowd, you know, one. Yeah. They, it's not, it, people are not things, you put them in a place and then they're going to just be there for five hours. Mm-hmm. So the, the point is but you're saying, have, look, you know, it is going to happen, but you're limiting the problem. Yeah. Yeah, exactly, yeah. I mean, and and what, also, what, what do you think of the way, that, I suppose the world is looking at countries like Sweden, we're not the only country, by the way, who've taken this approach, um, and they're looking at countries over there, you know, and the epidemiologists who have, you know, talked about how Sweden are doing it, and realistically, they don't have that many more debts than anybody else. Um, what do you no. think, when you look around at other countries and how strict the lockdowns have been, say, in Spain and Italy, for example, where you literally have turned into a police state, I mean, what, what were the Swedish things? When, or what were you thinking when you were looking around at those other countries? Did you think Sweden had taken the wrong approach or do you think that approach is working? I think you have to look at it from different points of views. I mean, one point of view, if you look at it just uh, when it comes to uh, uh, fighting the disease, uh, then maybe the Swedish way of doing this is uh, not the best. Uh, apparently, you know, locking down would be the best. But to maintain, uh, you know, during a period, a long time of period restrictions is not workable either. So I would say, I think what we're doing in Sweden is, is, is the right way. And I think most of the people are actually uh, com- compiling with that in Sweden. The majority of the Swedish people think this is the right way. But then we have a big number of people that this is the wrong way. So it's a little bit of also... What is the government's responsibility towards the population? I mean, for, for now, it's a little bit... Everybody, every person makes up their own mind about how to fight this disease, and it's actually dividing the people instead of coming together and fighting a disease. We, we have constantly, for instance, we got the government are actually uh, telling the people uh, to download an app where I, they, can, uh, they can report to the government if a bar is uh, crowding or not. Which is, you know, yes, they're turning uh, people bit. against each other. Yes, and some people say, "How can you go to IKEA in these times? Are you, are you, are you mad?" And this social media, you know, a little bit. Of, well, social uh, media is driving this as well, isn't it? Of course, the media driving this, scaring up people. A big part of the people are scared, and uh, they are doing more than the health department telling them. The health department telling them, "Go to work if you don't have any symptoms. Wash your hands." Don't look. Don't visit the elderly. But they're actually taking it three, four steps further by themselves. And then we have a small minority that doesn't give a shit, which is always going to be around. So it's it might be the right way, 
but you need a government that actually are specific because this is dividing the country. Okay, okay, okay. Because I know a lot of people looking at Sweden at the moment with great interest and concerned that because they haven't had an official lockdown, so to speak, that those numbers or that debt rate might rise. Mind you, they've been saying that for the last three weeks and it hasn't happened, so thankfully it hasn't happened. Um, no, I think uh, it's the, I mean, the last two, the development from the last two weeks have shown that uh, this is, might be the right approach, but as the, uh, you know, the gov- the I mean, all countries are different. I don't know. It's yes. I think we might know in five months, maybe. You know? Yeah, yeah. When we look back at all the data and all the information that we have, then listen. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Thank you very much indeed, Joseph, and I appreciate you taking our call today. Yeah, thank you. There you go, Joseph. Who owns an Irish bar in Stockholm called the Liffey. And again, why wouldn't you call it the Liffey? <laughs> it's an Irish bar. Now, of course, you saw Leo Varadka on the Late Late Show on Friday night, and I'm sure you saw him before that, actually, on the uh, the news at half past six or six o'clock or whatever time he appeared. Um, on Friday afternoon and he said that the country will begin to reopen from May the 18th so nothing really happening today as such I mean realistically because all he said was elderly people can go out for a walk but he advised them to stay at home that was already the case so nothing actually changed there they extended the two kilometres to five kilometres which is not a big deal really I mean because a lot of people were probably walking a bit further I've seen people cycling and as long as they were keeping their social distance I'm I'm sure it wasn't a big deal anyway so really nothing happened today uh, as such. But he announced that, of course, there is a, f- a plan for phases. And of course, you've got phase one, two, three, uh, four, and five ending on the 10th of August. And all those phases introduce something new. So I suppose really all we have to look forward to is two weeks' time. So essentially, it's another two weeks of the same again. How are you handling that? Will you be okay with that? What did you think of his? Roadmap, as they're calling it. And on the course on the 18th, you'll be allowed to have small outdoor meetings between people from different households, uh, open up children or childcare services for, <coughs> pardon me, for healthcare workers, phase return to, uh, of outdoor workers like construction, for example, uh, open retailers which are primarily outdoor, in other words, garden centres, etc., like that. Um, and they'll also be where uh, they'll have a, a, a level of those who have the first level of restriction, e.g., opticians. Uh, opening of certain outdoor public amenities i.e. they mentioned uh, public parks, for example, maybe beaches, those kind of things, might be opened again, obviously, if people use are sensible about it and be responsible about it. So, and then it goes on to, I'm not going to read them all out to you now, but phase two, phase three, and phase four, and then phase five is some level of normality with social distancing. Of course, nearly everything will be back open again, allowing larger social gatherings, returning to work across all sectors. That's the final phase in the bars and everything else. We're all in there, by the way. That's the the framework for the roadmap, which is some level of normality uh, when we get back to the 10th of August. But again, it won't be normal. It'll be what they call the new normal. So things will be open, but you'll have to keep social distance. So how do you feel about the roadmap? Do you think it's workable? Does it make you feel better? Or, I put up on Twitter the other night, I felt it was just a guessing game. Let me know what you think. What do you think of the roadmap? And the number is 087-188-0008. That's 087-188-0008. Are you happy with the roadmap that was announced on Friday? And are you happy to continue with all those restrictions? Joe, you're on Classic Kids. How are you doing, Joe? Hi, Niall. How are you doing? Good, Joe. What do you um, think? Well, see, I've been thinking about it since earlier on today, Niall. As I told you before, I work in a very small bar. And I, on square foot, I was adding it up this morning. Um, for, for people to say it's two metres away, we would have 14 people in the, pub, in the whole pub. Then how do you police the toilets? Like, all women go together in pairs. 
But you just have to tell them they can't. Yeah, I, I understand what you're saying. Somebody actually texts that in. Are women going to be banned from going together to the toilet? But Niall, I, I know you don't drink, but when they get drinking them, as you know yourself, you yeah. Like, well, I, I suppose, here's the thing, right? If those two women go together to the bar and are sitting together, what difference does it make if they go to the jacks together? They yeah, might be, and if they're sisters or something. Who's going, like. to, who's going to police that another person doesn't get up? Well, I suppose if, the, if there's three or four going together, you could kind of say, well, listen, that can't happen. But I, I think there has to be an acceptable level of human communication, right? And I, I think what they're saying is, okay, you can't have, you know, 10 people all lightering in a corner somewhere. But if you are going to have maybe a daughter and a mother or a brother or a son, or, and they might be together, you know what I mean? So that's fine. But who, you're right. Nice. But who's going to decide? Is that his brother or is that his sister? Or are they mates? Yeah. Or, you know, who decides that? But like, Niall, just think about, you know, doing table service. What do you do? Stand back six foot and throw the tank? <laughs> I know, I see the video. The how, video's how going around. How? Well, you're, well I, I don't know. I suppose the barman is going to, or bar girl, is going to have to wear a mask. Yeah, and there's another thing, Niall. The bar I work in, um, it's a very narrow bar. So you would have to be very in close contact with your colleagues. Right. Like, there's a funny thing happened with me this morning. It's just for people to be very aware of this. I got tested for the COVID uh, about 12 days ago just as precaution. Only totally precaution because I had a cough. So I spoke to my own doctor this morning and he, this is why people have to be very careful and listen to what they're saying. And he said to me, look, I really, really believe you had the COVID and you were over it. And I was like, oh my God. Now this cough is not going, so he's going to treat me with a, a different antibiotics. But it just shows you that we could become complacent and think, okay, I got the results, I'm okay. But I could have had it. And he said, I really feel you had. And when, when, when did you get the test done? Ten days ago. So when did, did you get the results yet? Oh, I did, in fairness. Uh, I got, uh, the doctor put me on the system, and within eight hours I got my appointment. The following morning I got tested, and four days later I got the all clear. Right, but so you didn't have it? He said, because I was on lockdown so long, he thinks I had just come through it. Oh, right. So you may. So you, what you really need is what they call an antibody test to find yeah. out if you had it. Yeah, he said, well, I said, they said it was totally clear. And I, as I explained to them, it was purely precautionary. But he said, because of the cough that I was presenting still with, I could yeah, it's, yeah, 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 I get you. Oh, no, I, I mean, look, according to the, the experts, we've had whatever, 22,000 or something like that, cases, positive cases in Ireland. Realistically, we've probably had, a, there's probably about a half million people in the country have had it. Yeah. So, so then, and according to the experts, again, now there is obviously still people who are naysayers out there. There has been numerous tests done at this stage and there is no evidence so far. And we're a long way down the road now. We're four months into it. There's no evidence that people can get it a second time. So, I, I mean, that's good news if half a million people roughly, let's say, have had it, you know, in this country, uh, contrary to what they're saying, the, the tests. And sadly, some people have died. We've seen that. But it does show us that the mortality rate is low. Yeah, the big, see, the bigger pubs can cope because, like, some of the big pubs in Galway, same as Dublin, are huge. You can put four people at this table, two, two at another table, you know, and to be Oh, a yeah, wither. if you have a Witherspoon, you're laughing. Yeah, of course, yeah. A big pub, you know what I mean? Yeah, the big, he likes a huge pub in Galway that could sit bloody yard and yard. And <laughs> Absolutely. Okay, so, are you, so are, are you saying to me that you don't want to go back in June? Is that what you're saying? I, I'd be very cautious, you know... It's, it's not like it has died away. You know, if there were statistics there that it really had gone down to a very low point. 
Yeah, but see, I think I think by the time I, I wouldn't worry about it too much because I think by the time June comes, there's going to be a lot more scientific evidence and data out there yeah, to suggest. Yeah, it's a change on a weekly basis. Well, maybe maybe at that point it'll suggest you know when we see all the data coming along, maybe it'll suggest that maybe we can lighten up a little bit about the whole thing. Yeah. But but we'll, we'll stay there for a second. Let me go to Catherine. Catherine, you're on Classic Kids. How you doing, Catherine? Hi, Niall. How are you, Catherine? What did you think of the roadmap and Leo's performance on the Late Late Show the other night? I thought it was good. I mean, I thought he was, you know, generic. And in fairness, I suppose he can't predict too far ahead because, you know, the data is still emerging. But my my concern with that was that they blanket ban all schools closed until September. Um, I'm a parent of a child with profound extra needs and I'm a chairperson of a parents association in school in Dublin. And I just think it's wrong that they just impose that blanket ban. I mean, mm. you know, first of all, I don't want any child suffering or, you know, having any health risk because of this. But I would have thought, given the low numbers of children in schools with special needs, that they could have brought in a third of the children maybe one day, a third the next day, and a third the other. It's going to have a very profound effect on children with extra needs and disabilities. Well, he didn't say an awful lot. Of, he didn't even mention the leaving cert, by the way, which I, you know exactly. a lot of people want him to talk about that as well. Um, yeah. But he didn't. He did mention at one stage, if I remember rightly, children with special needs that they were doing something over the next few weeks. Now, I didn't. He didn't say specifically what they were doing, mm-hmm. but he did say they were doing something. So I don't know what they're going to be doing, yeah. and I understand that's more challenging for parents, particularly this you know this really hard time. It's hard enough having kids at home under your feet all the time and trying to be yeah. a parent and a teacher but if you have a child with special needs that can be so difficult yeah but i just you know i think i think it would be very useful for the government maybe in mid to late june to run a trial period of maybe two weeks in some of these schools with low numbers of students whose parents had spoken to the children's consultants and do a kind of a test case if you like for september at the minute it appears by what they're saying that all schools will close until end of august and then suddenly they'll have to put a plan in place but they won't have a time to test mm-hmm. their idea about social distancing and yeah, I'm not saying I, I, that the children should be, you know, guinea pigs, but I think because of the low numbers in the schools, if if the child, if it was safe for them to return with low numbers in classes, it, it could be something to be considered. Well, I mean, the, the only good thing about schools is, from a children's point of view, from what we can see around the world, it would be extremely yeah. rare for a child to die of COVID-19. Extremely exactly. rare. And yeah. what they've said now in Switzerland as well is that under 10 years of age don't actually carry the virus at all, exactly. according to their evidence. So yeah. I, I think we'll be looking at all that evidence, I suppose, over the next couple of months. And I, maybe they're going to be looking at that and deciding, well, it'll be OK to have kids, you know, in primary school school back because unlikely it's unlikely that it'll do any harm so maybe maybe that will happen then you know what I mean yeah and we might not even need social distancing by August when it comes to children we may have enough evidence to suggest that that's a safe thing to do yeah no it's true it's it's just like all the therapies and everything for that particular group of children has stopped and I know they're I know, at yeah. high risk some of them I just I just think the whole kind of ethos with the government is is, is kind of blanket in positions like with the bars and everything else and I I can understand in part why they're doing it, but I think it's very depressing and negative for people that, okay. that these blanket rules come in. It is. It is. I, I mean, some people I've spoken to said they, they were having a positive weekend because at least they had targets in their head now. Yeah. But other people, like myself probably, I'm having a very depressing time over the whole thing. I think it's a guessing game. Um, yeah. And I don't, I don't buy into it at all. But some people do, and they, they think it sets a target for them. And, and But these targets can be changed. You know what exactly. I mean? I mean, they might turn around, for example, on the 8th of June and say, listen, uh, we don't want you visiting other households after all. Or, or yeah. we don't want this happening or that happening. And that's that's going to make people feel even worse. Yeah. So, you know, and, and how are you handling it personally yourself, Catherine? Well, 
Uh, it's tough because I've got six-year-old twins, one of whom who has profound extra needs. I'm a separated parent and I'm trying to work from home. I'm trying okay. to do homeschooling oh. with the six-year-old in mainstream. I'm supposed to be doing activities with his twin sister, but like it's really difficult. There aren't just enough hours in the day and then it's very difficult to do things like grocery shopping and mm. pick up medicines and all that. And you're, I mean, t- I you're, you're trying to be everything. I know, you're trying to be, you're trying yeah. to be an SNA, you're trying to be a special needs teacher. Yeah. Yeah, you're sort of trying to be a parent as well at the same time. You're, tra- yeah. you're trying to do everything. It's very difficult. Yeah. Yeah, like many parents, I mean, I'm not alone. I don't have a monopoly on this in any shape, but it is really challenging. Yeah, but twi- no twice as challenging when you've only got one parent, I suppose, as well. It makes yeah. it more challenging as well that you don't have somebody to give you a hand on it too. So, I mean, that, that can be more difficult for you as well. And having the child with special needs makes it more difficult and challenging as well because you have to dedicate more time to them, I imagine. Yeah, well, it's, you know, you know it's hard for them to understand, at least with the, you know, the other six-year-old, you can have some level of discussion mm-hmm. about what's happening, but the other yeah. child, unfortunately, just can't. No, and 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 doesn't we don't expect the other child to get it? You know what I mean? They just yeah. don't understand it, and they went. They're not going to understand it probably, mm-hmm. and and they probably don't need to understand it. The, 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 truth, the truth be known, and hopefully it, it all won't go on too long. Well, Catherine, I do hope that they put some sort of provisions in place I for children with special needs. All right, listen, thanks very much indeed. Well, thanks very much. Now. All right, Thank okay, bye, bye. Uh, let me go to Ty. Ty, you're on Classic Kids. How you doing, hey, Ty? Kyle. Yeah, Ty. Hear you. Good. You heard yeah. Joe there in the pub. Joe is not. Ha- Are you still there, Joe? By the way. I am not. Yeah. Joe is not happy to go back to work in the bar. He doesn't believe that June would be a good idea. Maybe August, but he he don't think he doesn't think it's doable. Joe is like one of uh, a lot of people in Ireland of a, I suppose maybe a certain age or whatever who has the crap scared out of him. Why he has coronaphobia? Yeah, and uh, absolutely not. <laughs> he, he said that he's got the bloody thing. So what's he worried about? Well, no, he said he didn't. He said the test came back negative, but he thinks he's yeah, had it. it no, no, the doctor thought. The doctor, doctor thought he had it. And a doctor's only a medical professional, what would he know? But uh, the truth <laughs> is, all, all of these guys are coming out with different ideas. And we as a public are left holding the baby. The truth is, this thing, social distancing, is all that's going to beat it. That's for sure. And we're going to have to work with that. Social distancing is what people want, not just what uh, the government wants. And I think the government have a, an idea that we're still in February. We're not. Everybody is fully aware right now. We can all go back to work. I don't see any reason why we shouldn't. We have travel. We have people coming into the country who are being stopped right now because they have to self-isolate for two weeks. Why, in the name of God, in an age of such good communications, can't governments come together and say, well, if my people are self-isolating for two weeks before they travel, that should be acceptable in your country. We do it for cats and dogs. And I mean, foot and mouth is just as big a disease. Every they all have diseases as well. So, in other words, so if I, if, in other words, what you're saying is, if I want to go to Spain, for example, tomorrow, I've already been on lockdown here, so yeah, I'm unlikely to have it. So I shouldn't have to isolate when I go to another country. We why, should all be in. The, why, why isolate for four weeks? What's the difference between two weeks? And, why is two weeks okay for us, but it has to be four weeks if they're a foreigner? I, you know, I, I, I get what you're saying. I, there was a whole hoo-ha, by the way, about the Aer Lingus plane from Belfast to London. Uh, and I don't know, I, I don't understand what all the panic was about. Everybody's been isolating now for six weeks. Yeah. If whoever has it, has it. Whoever doesn't have it, doesn't have it. But here's my whoever... take on the Aer Lingus plane. Joe, did you see that about the Aer Lingus plane? I did, Okay, here's my take on it. All those people who got in that plane haven't been buried for the last four weeks. They all know what's going on, right? They all made a conscious decision to get on the plane. The staff who are working on that plane, Aer Lingus have clarified, they have an option not to work if they don't want to. All right. So all those people voluntarily made a conscious decision under the circumstances to get onto that plane. We know when we get on a plane, we're breeding recycled air anyway. At the best of times, it's going to be a risk. It wouldn't be viable uh, to actually put a plane in the sky with like 10 people on it. So what? why is everybody getting jumping on a bandwagon? 
and all we're all horrified. Everybody on social media horrified that their lingus would do this. What? Put people on an aeroplane? Since when has people put on an aeroplane being something that we should be horrified by? I mean, like, am I, I wrong? Niall, there's just one thing back there a few minutes ago. Uh, people forgetting that Leo Varadkar and the leaders of the world never say something like this before. So for people to see, you know, and I know he's fan, but, you know, it's a learning curve for everybody. Of course, everybody. for everybody, yes. People are like, oh, why is he saying this one week? You know, it, it, it'll evolve over the next couple of weeks. Next week we could have a different story and we have to go with that. But to be jumping down to like Leo Varadkar's neck or Simon Harris, they don't know the same as no one knows. I mean, I know, I did, I did see last night on social media with the Erlinga story, people having a go at Leo Varadkar. It's not Leo Varadkar's fault that people got on an aeroplane in Belfast. Do you, know, do you know what I mean? I, just, yeah, I don't get I don't think people giving out to him for it. Yeah, but hopefully they're all adults and they did still fight it. You know, but there's a lot of people, I see them going around here and, geez, you think it was party central down the park and think it's ridiculous. Yeah, yeah. Well, I mean, that, the, see, but, but yeah, but there, the problem is there are those who are kind of using reasonable levels. I, I, I know everybody has broken one or two rules. Everybody, most people probably, right, have broken one or two rules, right? But they've done it responsibly. Yeah. I, in other words, they've, when it was two kilometers, they might have walked four. So what? You know yeah. what I mean? If it was four kilometers, they might have walked five. As long as they weren't interacting with anybody else, you know, what's, what's the biggie? All right. I think the whole thing is common sense here. We need, all sense. need to use a level of common sense. Yeah. But uh, there are people out there, as somebody, somebody rightly pointed earlier on, where we're pitting people against each other. And social media is playing a huge role in this. Again, going back to that aeroplane, they all consciously got on that plane. They're not stupid people. They know what's going on in the world. It was an internal flight in the United Kingdom from Belfast to London. It's not, they weren't going into a foreign country. Yeah. So I, I and don't... they isolated already. And they've already been in a lockdown situation. So I mean, what more can you do yeah, it's, apart from wrap people up in bubble suits? Yeah, there's only so much you can do and hope everyone agrees and does the right thing. Well, but that's... And back to your bar, Joe. I mean, yeah. at some point, the bar has to open again. Oh, it has to. I know that. Be it June or August, what difference does it really make? But like, I love my job. I love what I do. <laughs> I but, uh, Jesus, Niall, if you've seen you see them on a Saturday night, they all want to kiss you, hug you. I know, but you were Irish. <laughs> that's what <laughs> Irish people do. <laughs> yeah. You know, but it's just the way we are, you know. I don't think you can teach an old dog new tricks. Sorry, Ty, go ahead. What's wrong with people kissing and hugging if they don't have this? Yeah, hopefully I mean, they all don't. Themselves. Yeah, but hopefully, they listen, they could have AIDS. They could have cancer. They could have something else. God only knows what they have. There's a million different diseases that you can catch off people other than COVID-19. And we take that. Well, you can't catch cancer off anybody, in fairness. Well, you know what I mean? Yeah. Herpes, God knows what. You know, I mean, you don't want to be kissing everybody, but sometimes it happens. <laughs> and at the end of the day, we take that risk. But well, that's, well, that's what we do as human beings. Every time we put our hand near our mouth or every time we touch something as human beings, there's always a possibility of catching something. I understand the point you're making, Ty, but you have to understand that this particular virus obviously moves a lot faster than other viruses we're familiar. Yeah. Well, it can't move as fast as it did in February because in February nobody had it. And right now, probably about a third of the population already had it and can't get it again. Okay, we'll stay there for a second, lads. Keep texting. Uh, the number's 0871880008. Are you happy with the lockdown restrictions continuing and the roadmap that they've pointed out on Friday? Let me go to Joan. Joan, you're on Classic Kids. How you doing, Hello, Joan? Nile. How are you? You never said a true word. And the last fellow that you interviewed mentioned about Sweden. Sweden and their people and other countries and their people get on better than what's happening here. And may I say, because I have a lot to say, the media 
don't take a bow, fall on the ground. And by that, I mean the newspapers. I won't mention names. If people have read their papers, they'd be up to date. Well, that was on one, one headline I saw last week. Ireland's mortality rate is 3.8%, which is completely factually incorrect. Oh, and no. I, I, when yeah. we take into consideration, it's basing it on how many people we've tested, not many people actually have it. No, all those information bits, and I know it from a very close quarter, are wrong. They are suiting the government, and if any of us expected any kind of a programme with Farad Carr, he was very good, he was relaxed, he put his hand in his pocket, that was okay. But he put his hand in about four pockets looking for his notes. No wonder he could do that, because he wasn't going to be interviewed by a politician. End of that. RTE Okay, but Joan, very quickly, because I I, I have very short time, and I want to come to Maliki too before the end of this, but Joan, in relation to, I suppose, you got a bit of a, well, I say you personally, you're over 70 years of age, um, and you were told basically, not that you were ever, it was ever illegal, for you to leave the house but yep. uh, that you can leave the house now but they're still advising you to stay at home Well, I tell you there's a load of crap in the paper age, health and intelligence refers to the individual you don't class everybody the same each life is individual to oneself Nile. and the doctors are pushing the wrong buttons now to people who wish to live longer everyone can be a carrier honesty prevails for the younger and the older and just take an example of the thing in, in yesterday's paper I won't say the guy's name he has a heading over 70s ward to avoid each other new guide right it is advised now one thing I'm looking forward to and Mary O'Rourke thank God uh, agreed but nobody else did why we are allowed and I'm going to take a bit of pride in this I was the first person to talk about the old people old people, the all ages people, my category of people alive and well, thank you, and allowed to take the car out to Black Rock and you probably were surprised and your listeners were, ah, what happened I? Your programme, uh, my call to you, was the first programme that brought up the whole shenanigans that we're looking at today and what I want to say to you is that the way the wording is going is absolutely disgraced. For example... Did you, by the way, did you get into your car and go down to the beach in Black Rock? No, I'm doing that tomorrow. I shall dress up in beautiful clothes. <laughs> and if well, you do it now, but stay safe when you're doing it, okay? Oh, of course I'll stay safe. Oh, well, now, what are you saying? What are you saying? Yeah, I know. I'm getting a bit... Well, actually, well, well, I got I have two minutes in. I want to go to Maliki as well. Stay there, Joe. Maliki. Right. Maliki. You'll be, you'll, yeah, you'll be on the other side of the lock, will you? Uh, oh, yeah. I'll, I'll, I'll flash the lights over at John oh, from, from my side of the bay. <laughs> oh, I, I dress up specially for that, Maliki. Good man. <laughs> where, where, where are you again, Maliki? Where are you based? I'm in Anagassan, across the bay from... Oh, right, OK. Anagassan, all right, OK. OK, so Maliki, um, I mean, what is, firstly, what did you think of Leo very briefly? Because I've only got a minute and a half ago. Well, I thought it was more an election speech than a speech to the nation. It was, a well, it was a well done to the government. As for um, Tuberty's non-questioning of them, you know, this here, here. is apparently the most serious issue that we faced in a generation, in, in the past century. And there's not one critical question being raised, particularly by RTE, on this whole issue. Now, I can't see, they, they've told us continually that all these decisions are being made on medical advice. I can't find what medical advice there would be for saying you can go from two kilometres to five or that old people should be locked up and now they can come out for 30 minutes. Either... Well, there, there is, there, I mean, I mean, you have to make, I and mean, this was mentioned during the week, by the way, by one epidemiologist I was listening to, and he said you must make decisions based on scientific evidence. And and you're right, There's, there is no scientific evidence to say that two, five kilometres is, is any less safe than two kilometres. Here, no. here. It's, just, it's just a decision made to make people feel good. 
and that's it. That's a political decision. So that negates, and you can see the distancing between Houlihan now and the government. He's well, but I think a row is going to be thrown out, under yeah. the bus by the time this is over. I think I think a row is breaking out at the moment, and I know there's problems with Neffet as well, um, obviously contradicting the government and their policies too. So I, I think a row will break out, and you know what? In two years' time, when we look back at all this, and maybe we look back at this and think we overreacted slightly, there may be some sort of a, a tribunal or of inquiry um, as to how it was dealt with and how things were dealt with badly and wrong decisions were made. And you're right; some people might well, be throwing in, each other under the bus. The next generation will look back on this and say. In the same way as our generation is saying, how are people put into industrial schools and abused? How mm. did we throw mm. people into nursing homes and kill them? The word lockdown is all out of gear, Niall. No, you, well, OK, Maliki obviously firmly believes that they, they missed a trick at the very start and should have been... No, they didn't miss a trick. They made a deliberate decision. Well, well he, he did say, and I, I quote, uh, it was last week, he actually said that we prioritised everything and nothing in particular at the but time. But hold on, when he was asked by Tuberty, did he regret anything in this? He couldn't think of anything off the top of his Which head. Which I thought was quite bizarre because everybody believes and knows at this stage that yes, they should have done more about the care homes and nursing homes at the that start. That wasn't one of the pre-arranged questions. I, and when he said that to him, do you regret anything? I thought that would be the only thing at least that he would have said. But he didn't. Least, and he says, I couldn't, think, I couldn't think of anything. What a ridiculous thing to answer to give. And Niall... Very quickly, Joan. Sorry to interject. Can I say something there? Because I would have a load to say. Everything is manicured. And unlike James Bond, for your eyes only, it's for your ears only. And can I just say one very sad thing? Yeah. My daughter that I haven't seen since November, she works in Google. She can tell you a life story. As we all know, it went on in London. And her boss decided that she thought she could do with a return to Dublin for a few weeks working from home, right? Yeah. She's got an Airbnb. She's got to pay for that plus her place in London. She's got to come in, and I'm not giving out about this, but it's so sad for me because she is going to arrive on Friday after not seeing anybody. She's going to come in. She has to go in for two weeks and isolate. I, see, I, don't, I don't understand why she would have to isolate for two weeks coming from England when they already have to isolate in England anyway. They're all having a lockdown in the first place. That doesn't, it, that's what somebody mentioned earlier on. All the countries that have lockdowns should have an agreement with each other. Well, they're already locked down in this country, so why do you need to lock down for another 14 days when you go somewhere? I get it. Real people. Real opinions. Real talk radio. The multi-award-winning Niall Boylan Show. Classic Hits.